The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Howdy team. Hopefully you're doing great today. I mean, I'm doing, you know, probably maybe like a six out of 10. I think that's probably the best anybody can do these days. But you are here to listen to independent music chat, chatter, as it were, or an interview. I don't, I don't really like to look at these as interviews because uh, it's more of a discussion. And I know so many other podcasts are just like, yeah, dude, it's just like a fly in the wall conversation. Of course it's not that because I want you to feel like you're going somewhere, like you're on a journey and you're actually going to end up, you know, understanding this person a little bit better than you did previously. But um, anyways, enough of that. You are here to listen to Jay Laughlin from Turning Point, Godspeed. He currently plays in a band called Honey, and he's put out a ton of music over his life and his career. But Turning Point, let's be honest, just like one of the legendary bands within the hardcore scene. I remember I, I speak to this in the interview. Uh, I told you I wouldn't call it an interview, but anyways, I speak to this in our chat where the split that they did with No Escape just really opened up my world in regards to bands being able to expand past whatever they started as. And I just, I, that split is so, so important to me and I loved it. Um, and then just looking at Godspeed, like Godspeed was so important to me as well because I remember I bought the Swimmer's Ear EP and I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder what's up with, uh, you know, the, the, the ex turning point guys, like what they did afterwards. And I listened to it and I was just blown away at the, you know, emotional, uh, emotional content behind that. And just like the musicianship and it's just, it's just really cool. So anyways, Jay was kind enough to hop on the good old uh, computer machine and we were able to have a great chat. And, uh, if you, 
have missed it, Turning Point is reissuing their entire discography on Revelation Records, and it's uh, I, I'm very excited about it. It's really cool. They've released their demo so far, and like some you know demo inspired T-shirts and a bunch of great stuff. So it's uh, it's exciting. Turning Point is like you know back in our lives in like a really real way, and you're going to be able to find all this stuff on pre-orders on Revelation Records, and so yeah, check that out. But um, yeah, I I appreciate those of you that email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Always like to have interactions with people from that perspective. And uh, I also encourage you to share this with your friends who are into punk, hardcore, indie rock, whatever it is. Um, they should probably know about this show because that's, uh, that's, that's the world we traffic in. So that's what we got. Let's dive into the conversation with Jay. years old and so i got uh hit with turning point i mean clearly after you guys had uh, stopped playing and everything like that but the the thing that i reflect on with the the band the most is that every you know a lot of people speak about the, the idea that like oh man you guys wrote the best material like at the very very end of the band's like life you know and like the the idea of where you guys could have gone musically after that um, and you know, that is what I personally believed as well, as I started to get into turning point and understanding the catalog and everything like that. Um, musically, like in your head, is it one of those things? Like, do you ever reflect on like, oh man, if we had like, you know, six more months or like another year, like <clears throat> what another full length would have sounded like or that sort of stuff? Or is it just kind of like, well, we obviously poured that into our other musical endeavors afterwards. Um, I actually talked to the, you know, all the guys about this, like when we did this, is got back together in 2016. We discussed this, and that, yeah, obviously everybody loves that the latest material, and I think it's the best stuff too. But when we were doing it, when we were actually writing that and playing it live, it went over like like people are just not into it. I mean, that really was part of the reasons that we broke up. Right, we felt like we were making this music, like we were kind of advancing, and the hardcore crowd just was not accepting of what we were doing. You know, not, not that they you know, didn't like booze or anything, but, you know, it just seemed like the, it, people were not really interested. And that's kind of when we had called it a day, you know what I mean? So, and then yeah. it went on, you know, we went on to do the Godspeed stuff. So that was like a natural progression. Right, right. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny now that that's the most popular. Right. You know, like that's what people like the most. Because when we were doing it, we were like, wow, like maybe this isn't so good. Yeah. Yeah, no one, no one cares about this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> once we start to, you know, insert melody and have like a little more musicality to ourselves, people are like, "Hey, where's, where's like the simple, you know, basic hardcore you guys were doing?" Right. Well, some of the songs, you know, started with like clean, clean guitar intros. You know, these like things that I would write, and I'd play them live, and kids are like looking at me, staring at me, like, "What, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, <laughs> why, is he, why is he playing a clean guitar?" You know, right? Like, like weird acoustic intro thing, but uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm guessing it's one of those things where, um, it it makes sense, obviously why you guys, you know, were like, okay, well, you know, this, this is kind of the end of the rope. Um, as far as just like, well, okay. Like people aren't caring about our musical vision from this perspective. And it's not like you had any illusions of grandeur of like, oh yeah, like we're going to be, you know, we're going to make a living off of our music playing a hardcore band. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it didn't, I, I, I presume at the time too, 
it was one of those things that, you know, probably just due to, you know, your age and everything like that. It was very uh, like reactionary. It was just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, we'll wrap this thing up and then do this other thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so putting the focus on like you as an individual, were you actually born and raised in New Jersey or where did you come up? Yeah, I was born, uh, well, I was raised in uh, Morristown, New Jersey. Um, it's like South Jersey. Um, Got it. And what was the, uh, I guess, what would you kind of de- describe the uh, surroundings? Like, you know, was it a uh, suburb? Was it, uh, you know, kind of uh, obviously spitting distance from Philly? But, you know, what was your experience growing up? Um, it was like middle class suburbs. Um, but the town I grew up in was kind of like split, kind of split in half. Um, I went to school with a lot of very, very well to do kids, you know, what I mean, very wealthy and I lived on the other side of town where it was like more working class, you know, um, that's what, you know, means, you know, Skip Singer turning point. He grew up right around the block from me. And, uh, you know, so we, we live very similar lives. I mean, pretty much exactly the same, but, uh, you know, it's just normal suburban stuff, you know, um, nothing crazy. It wasn't like, you know, an awful place to live by any means. Sure. Yeah. And what was the uh, the family structure? I know you have an older brother. Uh, did you have any other siblings? And was mom and dad in the house? Yeah, yeah. Both my parents were around. Um, I have two older brothers and uh, and one younger brother. So there's four of us on the. I guess. Wow all four all four boys. That's yeah. a pretty pretty rambunctious household. I'm guessing. Yeah, my poor mom. <laughs> <laughs> Especially too, where I'm sure by the time you know you were, your parents were rolling around to the third, it was like, well, maybe maybe I'll have a girl this time. Nope, I guess not. <laughs> I, well, I think that's how my uh, my younger brother came about. <laughs> <laughs> that was the hope. It was like, all right, finally we'll get a girl. Yeah, they're they're shooting for it, and then that was that. You know, right, right. Um, and so, what was your uh, the I mean, since you weren't kind of uh, the the baby of the group, I mean, you were for a little bit. Um, you know, how what was your relationship with uh, your your parents and your siblings? Were you guys like all generically speaking, kind of getting along, or you know, the usual fights with brothers and that sort of stuff? I mean, there's the usual fights with brothers and stuff, but um, you know, I think to this day, the reason I kind of still still play music incessantly is my father was never really, you know, he was around, but he was never uh, like really emotionally around. He was not, he did not support what I did you know, from when I started in fifth grade, you know, he'd always just be like, you can't play music. You're going to, you know, you'll never make it. You'll never, you know, it'll just never happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was just like a distant person. He was just never really there. He, you know, he, he paid the bills and stuff. And, um, right. Like he was physically present, but like, you said, not a- but yeah, not emotionally, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I, I still don't really speak to him to this day now, but, uh, oh, re- Got it. So that there was a uh, an intentionality uh, at cert- at a certain point where you're like, okay, like this is not th- this this relationship is not healthy for me as an adult. Yeah, cor- yeah, correct. You know what I mean? It's like the, when I finally moved out of my house, you know, and, you know, his house. It's like you know, it was just a weird situation. You know, he didn't even like really ask for my phone number <laughs> or my address. You know, that kind of shit. And yeah. It's like you know. He was there, but he not really. And um, was he like that with all, uh, like I guess, kind of all of your siblings and yeah, your mother yeah. as well? Yeah, kinda. Yeah. Um, it's uh, 
yeah, you know, I'll speak for myself, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I mean, you know, for me and my brothers, obviously, you know, we got, we got along great, you know, we're still, me and my brother, Chris and, and my younger brother, Dave are still like super, super close. You know, we talk all the time and hang out all the time. Nice. You know, we're all like music obsessives, like go to shows together and, you know, right. Just hang out, listen to music together and stuff. So, you know, it definitely was not all bad for sure. Sure. And so I'm guessing because, uh, you know, of the relationship that you had with your father, did you and your brothers kind of, you know, really gravitate and attach yourself to your mother? Yeah, for sure. Got it. She was kind of the emotional backbone as it were. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, she was. And she, you know, she, uh, she was definitely the one that was like, you know, kind of, if you enjoy doing it, follow your dreams, you know, go for it kind of stuff. You know, she was very supportive in the, uh, when I was, you know, when I was just getting into music and young, she, you know, my father worked nights and I started out playing drums. So, you know, when I finally got a, a proper drum set, like the second right. I left the house, she was like, play your drums. You know, I could play for hours. You know, when my father was home, I couldn't touch him. Um, Right, because you, know, you, dis- you would disturb him. Right? Yeah, yes, yes. Kind of, it's kind of like the uh, a quick funny story. One, my dad, you know, he worked two jobs. I did. He worked nights, and I then he worked days on the weekends. I didn't think he was home, so I came home from whatever I was doing, and I got behind my drum set and started playing drums. It was like down in the uh, this like storage area in our house, and he opened up the door, and I didn't even see him, and he grabbed these broken drumsticks and just started whipping them at my head, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> shit out of me, you know. I was just like kind of jamming out, and like all of a sudden, these sticks go flying by my head, and I turn up, and he's just like, you know, just give me this glare. I was like, shit, I did not know you were home. But, yeah, my bad. Right. Yeah, yeah, my bad. But that, you know, that that was his reaction. You know. <laughs> right. He's like, what are you doing, creatively expressing yourself? Stop yeah, yeah. It. it's loud. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to sleep, you little prick. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> uh, well, th- that's cool that you're. Um, your mom recognized the, uh, you know, boundaries of the household, so to speak. And, but at the same time, like, you know, was, was there to be able to recognize like, okay, Jay, like, here we go. <laughs> like, this is the time. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like party time. You know, it was like, he, you know, he, he took off for work and it was like, all right, cool. No, everybody can kind of do what they want to do. Right. Right. Did your, uh, I, I'm guessing your mom was, uh, you know, a full-time mom, like, you know, yeah. taking care of you guys at the house. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and so from what I understand, just in previous interviews and stuff like that, uh, your older brothers, was it both your older brothers that were, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, passing down music to you and kind of giving you that knowledge or where were you kind of piecing that stuff together from? Yeah. When I was super young, um, both my older brothers were, you know, got into, you know, like heavy metal, you know, kiss, you know what I mean? Like they were obsessed with kiss and their whole, their whole bedroom was just covered in kiss pictures and stuff. So that was like definitely a huge influence. And then, uh, my, you know, my aunt on my mom's side, she wasn't really our, our aunt. It was just like by, uh, was like one of my mom's best friends. We call her aunt. She took us, she got a ticket to see kiss in 84, you know? So I was like a little kid mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we went to that concert and that like, that kind of changed everything. And then my brothers, my, both my older brothers, from every concert they wanted from then, my mom would make them take me, which I'm sure was probably a drag. <laughs> sure. But it's like, all right, you can go to the Judas Priest concert, but you got to take Jay. Cause I was super into it. You know? So they would, I would tag along to all those shows with those guys. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of where the obsession started. 
Nice. And what, uh, I mean, I can kind of make a, a, a guess as to why that music was attractive to you, um, you know, but what kind of drew you into, like, once you started to see, you know, Kiss and uh, a lot of these, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, theatrical rock bands, uh, w- what kind of drew you in? Was it, you know, the musicality? Was it kind of the whole package? What what spoke to you? I mean, Kiss is just, they look cool and evil. You know? Right, sure. <laughs> like, I was drawn to that, you know, and the songs are cool. Um, but as I got, like, a little bit older, you know, um, and going to these shows, it's just like, yeah, they, at first they're, like, superheroes, you know? When you're really little, you go to these shows, they don't even seem human. Like, you're, right. you're like, what the fuck? You know, just the spectacle of it all. But when I got a little bit older, I mean, you go to these shows and you start to realize, like, oh, these are just dudes, like, that just practiced a lot you know what i mean like right. like you know like like oh, they, they're just human beings you know and that's when i got the you know i was like all right well i want to do this i want to you know i want to be in judas priest or iron maiden <laughs> and uh and i was always attracted to the drummers because it was like you're young and you're angry and it's like what better to do than hit shit real hard right you know what i mean so that that's how i gravitated towards drums but it was like yeah it was just that moment of being in these big rock shows and being close enough and seeing enough of them that like, Oh yeah, it's just a guy that didn't cut his hair and practice his guitar a lot. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I also like the idea of getting drawn to drums as being, uh, quote unquote easier because there's no technical notes, you know? Yeah. 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 It's like, I just hit it hard and like, it makes that sound like, yeah, Yeah, it's like you can kind of almost close your eyes and still do it. Right. <laughs> um, and, and what kind of kid did you find yourself, you know, being as you started to develop a little bit of your own identity, you know, whatever, late elementary school, junior high and stuff like that? You know, were you, uh, you know, kind of that uh, weirdo art kid? Were you that sports dude? You know, I, I'm granted, I'm, I'm painting a very broad stereotype on you. But, you know, what sort of group did you kind of, you know, fall into? Well, I, I started taking drum lessons in the fifth grade. Um, and I was, I was really hooked on that. So I was definitely like, you know, like a music kid, but I was into, uh, you know, I got into to BMXing and, and playing drums and then skateboarding came in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was always like, I guess, you know, just kind of turned into like that punk rock skater kid. Right. Um, but, uh, I, I never really felt like a total outcast as a kid. Because I was good at sports. Like it just, you know, I, coordinated and it got to a point that like we would have let's say you know basketball in gym class and and i would be playing basketball and they'd pull me aside the coaches and like man you got to join the team like we need you on this team and i was like just not into it you know like i wanted to skateboard and i want to play my drums and and i you know i started playing shows early in high school and it's like if, if there's shit on the weekends like i'm not going to play football or basketball i'm going to play a show right i have my friends so like you know, yeah, I was definitely, you know, just like, you know, I dotted my hair weird colors and stuff. And like back then it wasn't like a thing, you know what I mean? It's like skateboarding is not huge, but like when I was in high school, it was like, there's like three or four of us, you know? So you were definitely outcast in that way of being, you know, you know, just dressing different and listening to punk rock music and stuff. That wasn't really a big thing in my high school. Hey, you are looking for a gift. You're just like, you're, you're panicked at this point. You're like, I got to get something for somebody. How about go to rockabilia.com? That is the place where you can buy all of your band merch, solve all of your gifting problems immediately, and I will get you 15% off your order by using this code PC100Words. Trust me in saying that this will not only save you money, but it will make 
your family and friends and whoever you're buying your Christmas gifts for very, very happy because they they offer so much there. I don't care what genre of music that you're into, you will be able to find rad pieces of merch there. And it's all officially licensed stuff. So the band gets paid on it. It's all above board and high quality. They're not printing in it on some some trash blanks that you're like, oh man, after one wash, the thing is going to fall apart. Nope. That is not how Rockabilia rolls. It's great. And I love the company and I will continue to support them until the day that I die or this podcast dies, but hopefully the podcast before me. So anyways, Go to rockabilia.com. PC100 words is the discount code, and then you'll get 15% off and you'll be happy. So go buy band merch for your presence. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June, and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I gotta like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you, but for two, look back. Be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Well, and plus too, I mean, it's like that era, there was this, uh, you know, idea that 
anything that was, you know, slightly left of center was just this like, well, how the hell did you get into that? Like, right. wh- wh- where did you even find that? Because like, yeah, I mean, obviously in the age of the internet, like you can find anything. Whereas like this is definitely like you either accidentally trip on it, you have your older brothers, you know, you, there's some, you know, inflection point for you. But, you know, most people just look at that with disdain because it's like, what do you mean? Like you're going to shows in the weekend. Like you're tall. You need to play basketball, dude. Like, yeah, you- yeah. <laughs> right. A funny story about discovering something, you know, like I was, I was like a metalhead and I was just getting into skateboarding. I was, I was in like sixth or seventh grade. And this kid moves from California to, to Morristown where I grew up and he's, you know, California skateboarder and I'm fast friends. And at the time I, I didn't really know much about punk rock or anything. So this kid brought over, all the California stuff, like Dead Kennedys and DOA, you know, the Nardcore stuff, all that stuff, and started playing it for me. And, you know, when I was listening to metal, like I got into, you know, Metallica and Slayer, like a lot. But some of that stuff was seemed like unattainable as a little kid to play, you know, on drums or guitar. It was just like, you know, this stuff is crazy. But then he started bringing this punk rock stuff in and, and turned me on to all that. And when I first heard that stuff, I was like, wow well, this sounds more obtainable. I could probably do this, you know, like it's not quite as technical and, you know, and, and nuts. It just sounds more like normal people making music, you know, that aren't like super talented. Um, right. That was like the turning point for that stuff, you know? And it's really, I uh, realized like, Oh, I can actually you know, do this. Yeah. Me and my friends could probably make a punk band, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I really like you articulating that thought because I, I think it is one of those things that it becomes, uh, it, there is such a delineation, especially, uh, you know, in a certain time between, you know, metal and punk. Like, I mean, people can still make that delineation now, but like the idea of, you know, being attainable, it's like that, that is such a real thing where, you know, you, you, you look at a band and you're like, there's no way that I could do that. But the moment that you see someone, you know, doing something that's just like, Oh, like that, you know, it literally sets a light bulb off in your head. And then you're like, Oh yeah, I can play those three chords. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, that was exactly it. And I, I didn't mean to say like they, that these punk bands were not talented, but you know I mean? Just like it was just different approach. Yeah. A, a totally different approach. It wasn't so, uh, you know, just as technical in my, in my musical mind. And I was like, Oh, you know, I could do this. And, you know, to the point that I could actually just write these really simple riffs and teach my friends how to play them, on a guitar that have never played guitar before and I could play the drums. You know what I mean? That's how like one of the first punk bands that I was in started, you know, it's like, yeah, I would write the riffs and just teach skip and, and, and my other buddy Ed to play these insanely simple riffs. And then we would just make these punk rock songs about hating homework and that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. And I would get As one does. Movies. So it was cool. Yeah, no, that's rad. Um, did you care about school? Like, it, it, was it one of those things where, you know, you, once music clearly started to consume you, that, uh, that, you know, school was very much an afterthought? Or how did that kind of, you know, play a role in your life? School's an absolute afterthought. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the, second, the second I started playing in bands, and especially when Turning Point, you know, started, that was it. I was like, I didn't give a fuck about school. I was a fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I was, I just wanted to get out. Like, like the, as soon as I could get out of high school, just get me the fuck out and I'm going to play music. That was that. Right. You know, so yeah, I did not take that serious, you know, you know, hindsight, maybe I should have, but um, <laughs> yeah, so, at, at the time it was, yeah, man, like 
I, it, I hated it. I hated being in school. Like I did, you know, the teachers hated me, you know, I didn't feel like I fit in, you know, um, it just wasn't my thing, you know? Right. Did you get, like, uh, most of the people I went to high school with, a lot of them, it's like, I felt like they already had, they knew exactly what they're going to do. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to college for four years. I'll party. Then I'll meet my wife. I'll get my house and the picket fence and, and move on. And that's, you know, probably what most of them did. And that just did not fucking appeal to me at all. It's like, you know, shit, I'm, I'm 49 right now. I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but, uh, <laughs> right. You know, did you- just like that, that thing was just, it was just not my, it's just not my scene. Like I, I yeah. for me. Right. Did you, like, I mean, like, were you getting like, you know, uh, C's and D's? Like, were you, yeah. I guess kind of like passing? I did just, I did, man, I did just enough to get by. And I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't know I was going to graduate till the day before graduation. I thought they were going to keep me back. And it was like, you know, me and like two of my other friends were like, fuck, I guess, I guess we're not graduating. And it was, I think we're, they were just sick of us, you know, just like fucking just pass them, like get them out of here. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, 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 like, literally right got, rubs in. like literally got the phone call. It's like, all right, you can come. It's like, uh, all right, cool. So, <laughs> you know what I mean, that's, that's really how I went through my high school years. Got it. Like all I, uh, I was fucking music and skateboarding, like sure. and hanging out with my friends. That was all I cared about. Sure, uh, I, I'm guessing because of that, uh, you know, the the lack of discipline with school, uh, you know, did that cause uh, friction at the household? Where it's just like, uh, Jay, you were such, uh, like, what what are we, what are we what are you doing with your life? Like, you know, you, yeah, you got to get better yeah, grades. Yeah, I mean, that's partly probably why my father, you know, was the way he was. He wasn't really happy with what I was doing you know, uh, or how I was doing. Sure. Yeah. I guess understandable, but, um, right. You're like, well, this is what I care about. And, uh, this is what I want to try to figure out to do, whatever that may yeah, be. It wasn't like I was some kind of like burnout fucking loser, you know, like, you know, I was in like a fucking straight edge band and I was doing shit, you know what I mean? I was putting records out and yeah, you know, you know, it's, like, it's not like I was like some, you know, dude was just like sitting on the couch, you know what I mean? Like playing Pac-Man all fucking day or something. It was like, I was, you know, I was out doing shit, like, you know, creative stuff, but the, he just didn't see anything in that. So, Well, yeah. And it's also really difficult to, I mean, it's something that you, you can't uh, possibly articulate at that age being like, you know, like, Hey, booking a show is giving me real life skills. It's like, you know, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's not, it's not quantifiable, especially when you're talking about like, you know, a, a different generation that clearly has no idea of like, well, yeah, if you play in a band, like you're touring in a tour bus, like, you know, there's this huge thing, but it's like, that's not what we're doing here. No, not even close. But yeah. This, this is a, you know, just talking about family growing up and like, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've interviewed uh, countless musicians and I'm sure 95% of them are like, you know, will say, oh, there's so much music in my household. My parents listen to music. And the funny thing about my parents there's no fucking music in our house. Like they listened to talk radio. That was it. Like, yep. They never played that, you know, besides my brothers, there's never a, a record player or they had like a little clock radio in the kitchen that would play this one station. You know, there's just all talk radio stuff, you know? So that was kind of, it's kind of weird how like we all became so obsessed with music when it really wasn't present in our household. Right. And it's funny too, because I'm, uh, some people get attracted to music when it's vacant in the house because it's like kind of a forbidden fruit sort of thing. Right. Um, but you know, the, the way that all you guys got into it was very much like, Oh no, like this is, yeah, it's not played in the house, but like once we're exposed to it, it's like, dude, there's no turning back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, 
you know, as you started to, you know, go through high school and like you said, start to, you know, form your first bands and kind of get that experience, like playing shows and stuff like that. Um, was it, uh, I guess, was it what you expected, like, you know, playing a show and stuff like that? Uh, or was it, you know, did it exceed your expectations or was it surprising in any respects? I guess like the first, you know, real show besides, you know, playing like some, somebody's backyard, you know, like ranch sure. or something, uh, it was with the first band that me and Skippy had called Pointless where I played drums and she was playing bass and we got booked to play this, this club in Philly called Club Pizzazz. It's where, where all the hardcore shows were at and the promoter, Chuck Meehan, like we had sent him a, a, our little demo cassette tape and we were super young and, uh, you know, we went there, we see, I think the first show we saw there was Dag Nasty and the Can I Say Tour and we would just go every weekend because it was you know, it didn't matter who was playing it, whatever hardcore matinee, we just go. So that was like the spot. And we sent a cassette to the promoter and he actually called us up and he's like, I really like this. And he put us on a show with, uh, I think ignition. Um, so we're like over the moon. Like we're going to play this, this club's ass. Like, this is going to be great. And every show we went there usually was like pretty packed. So again, our parents had to drive our gear there and stuff. And we set up, and it turns out that night, that same night at at City Gardens, which is in New Jersey, a much bigger venue, it was like the exploited DRI, um, somebody else, you know, like one of these huge punk rock shows. Like our show was not really that well attended. And it was kind of like a bummer, you know, because we were like, well, you know, we made it. We're playing Club Zaz, but, you know, then then there's only maybe like, you know, 40 people there. It was like a little bit of a downer, but but once Turning Point started, we started, like, for some reason, the shows were just great from the get go. And so that was like really easy to get, uh, to get sucked into doing it. You know what I mean? Cause it was like the scene was just kind of happening and, you know, we booked a show and people showed up and, and everybody had a blast. So we were all, we were hooked from there. Right. Right. It was off to the races. Yeah. And it's so, you know, that, uh, that era of hardcore, you know, clearly gets, uh, you know, a lot of attention and people, um, you know, have focused on it for many, many years after the fact. And the thing that I always find so interesting and funny is that uh, since it was such a short burst, like, you know, most of the bands from that particular era, you know, maybe released a couple of full lengths, maybe were around for longer than two years, but, you know, it, it gets, um, you know, a, a lot of people look at that time as being like, you know, the golden era of hardcore. Um, it, and I find it so funny because it's like, you know, turning point, like you guys existed for three years. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not a very long time, but no, not at all. But just the fact that, uh, you know, you like, I, I guess the question here is when you guys, you know, started to kind of, you know, pound the pavement and, you know, play shows and kind of do all that, was it, uh, I guess kind of like a mission or a focus to like do as much as humanly possible or was it just like, Oh, we're just saying yes to these opportunities as they're coming up. Yeah. I think we were just saying yes as the thing came up. Like we, we weren't, uh, not, we didn't have like any kind of mission statement or anything, you know? Sure. We were, you know, like it's like two dudes that, you know, met in kindergarten became best friends and discovered punk rock together. And I'd already started, you know, learning drums and playing guitar and I had played in a, in a, and you know, like this thrash metal band that were like with some older kids, it kind of just kind of taught me a little bit about playing in a band. And that's mm-hmm. me and Skip just, you know, after that band, I was like, me and you should make a band. Cause you know, you're my best friend and why the fuck not? And that's what, that's how we did it. And from that point on, there was nothing, you know, we never sat down and tried to scheme anything. It was just like, let's just make music that we enjoy and have fucking fun and, 
and you know we were lucky that some people gave a fuck about it you know which right and did you i know this may be a difficult thing to at or to answer but like when did you feel i guess like people were paying attention to you um you know as far as like turning point was concerned where it's like you know was it kind of immediately after that first show or was it you know after you had released the demo and it was like oh wow there's kids that we don't know that are singing along like what was you know do you have kind of you know a moment or two that stuck out to you well yeah we, we recorded the demo at my old drum teacher's place you know like in an afternoon sure you know and my older brother, you know, put together some artwork for us. And I forget what, I don't know if we stuck an ad in Maximum Rock and Roll or, or just, you know, just started passing around to people. And, um, and then, you know, somehow Darren Walters, you know, of J Tree, you know, just pre J Tree, he got mm-hmm. a little bit and asked us, you know, contacted me. I was like, you want to do a seven inch? And we we're just like, well, yeah, fuck yeah. You know, so he gave us a couple bucks to do that. And it was from that moment on, it's like, we'd go to these shows and yeah, kids that you didn't know were singing the songs and it was just like mind blowing. It's like the first time it happened, it was like, I remember we played the show in Kenneth square and, uh, in Pennsylvania. And it was like a bunch of kids there, you know, just kind of going crazy and knowing all the words. And yeah, it was just like that. That was, that was the moment. It was like, oh, wow. You know, I guess, I guess we're on to something here. Like, this is cool. Let's keep going. I'm excited to tell you about an extremely heavy record that just came out from a band called Within the Ruins. The record is called Black Heart that just came out this past Friday, the 27th of November. And this thing's heavy, man. Like I'm going to play you a snippet of one of their songs and it will get you in the mood for checking out the whole record because I believe that this thing, this is their sixth full length. They've been doing this for a while and they are the real deal. And I think they're firing off all cylinders in this record. So let's check a little bit of it out and then I'll talk to you in a minute. Okay. Heavy, right? Like heavy, proggy, like they got a lot of stuff going on. And I, the fact that these guys are in so deep to their career and are still creating really, really progressive music is, uh, is, is heartening because sometimes bands just, you know, kind of dial it in after a while. But these guys within the ruins are not one of those bands. So like I said, you can stream this and buy this wherever you consume music and you need to check it out. It's called Black Heart. The band is called Within the Ruins. And just just get heavy with it, okay? So thank you very much to E1 for releasing this record and for supporting this very show. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high-five moment today? Only at High Five casino.com high five casino is a social casino no purchase necessary void we're prohibited play responsibly conditions apply see website for details high five casino when the sun goes down opt for bold and blingy styles like the made to be seen very sexy push-up bra from the very sexy collection in on-trend hues like black shine green and citron for a glam statement pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat 
because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive swim collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Did you guys kind of feel... um I guess for lack of a better term, like kind of plugged into that scene. Like, you know, did you feel, I guess like welcome as you started to, you know, kind of play shows and understand, you know, kind of where you sat in this, you know, like whatever, uh, this era of, you know, kind of, kind of post, you know, the New York city hardcore scene, like, but you know, clearly that was still happening. Like, so did you feel at home in any respects? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess so. We, we never, uh, we never felt like we were really, a huge part of any one scene, you know, like sure. Or like an integral part of any one scene. I mean, we obviously we're huge fans of the New York hardcore stuff. Um, that goes without saying, but, uh, yeah, we always kind of felt like we were kind of doing our own thing, but you know, it all kind of worked out that we did, you know, fit in enough to, to become part of the, you know, of that hardcore scene, like the East coast, you know, right where we can go up and down the East coast and play shows and be well received, you know, and have a good time. So sure. What's the, uh, this may be a very basic question, but I just, I, I personally do not know, you know, what was the longest that you guys, I guess, like went out for as far as a tour is concerned? We never did a, a proper tour. Sure. Right. It was always just like weekends and stuff, right? We, we would do weekends because even, uh, Ken, the drummer, he, he was the oldest guy in the band at the time, you know what I mean? Um, and he got out of, he got out of high school and he, he started working, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, he got a job, you know, hanging drywall or whatever, you know, in, in that contracting kind of field. And we got offers to go out to California, but at the time it was like, you know, there was no guarantee of making money and stuff. And, you know, for him, it was just like, you know, I can't, I can't do that. I got a job, you know, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah, I can't play, I can't play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like that's, you know, yeah, more, more like I can't go away for a month. You know what I mean? I can't just jump in a van for a month and just drive around the country, you know, right. not knowing if I'm going to make, you know, if we're going to make any money or anything, you know? So we, we actually never did it. I, I regret it. I wish we did, but you know, we did our, 
you know, we played up, up and down the East coast. That's right. Really it. You know, we never, we never branched out, you know, you know, outside PA and stuff, but like, you know, we never made it to the Midwest or, or any of that, you know, I, I would love to have played California. I mean, I have since, but you know, but right. Back, yeah. Now at those times are probably cool. Cause you know, we played with chain of strength a lot and, you know, those guys were super cool. It would have been cool to go out and do shows with those guys on the West coast. Right. But, uh, yeah. Just never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The circumstances. And plus like you were saying, it's not like there was really any sort of blueprint for anybody to kind of point to, to be like, Oh, you know, Hey, Hey Ken, like maybe if you just took a couple of months off, like we'd be able to do this. You know, It's right. not like, yeah, there's yeah. nothing. And to be, you know, to be honest, and I'm sure it was like this with most of the bands. It was like, there wasn't like a promoter contacting us being like, Hey, I'll set up this tour. It's like, if you did it, you did it your fucking self. Like you got on the phone and you know what I mean? Like there was nobody like asking us to do it. So if you do it, it was, you know, you had to put in the, put in all the work and stuff. And it was just like, you're kind of, it's kind of like a shot in the dark. Like maybe this will work or, you know, maybe it won't, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, the, there's obviously elements of that that still exist, but just the, uh, I, I've lived it, you know, with the band of course, and through, <laughs> you know, after, you know, doing like six week cross country tours and you know what I mean? It's like, you, there's a lot of nights that are pretty fucking dismal sometimes, you know? Right, right, right. And your experience, I mean, since you have both of the experiences of what you're talking about with turning point and, and then, you know, everything that you have done uh, ever since then, uh, of the touring aspect, like, did you, you know, I guess kind of like playing those, you know, like weekend shows with turning point and stuff like that and having that, um, you know, I guess that close proximity to where, you know, you, you could be at home in a couple of days, uh, or did you, you know, like learn to enjoy the, the, you know, the six week run, like being gone, that sort of stuff. I love touring. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's fun. Um, you know, back when, when the turning point of doing like long weekends and stuff was like, I didn't, that's all I knew. You know I mean? I'd never been on a tour, so I didn't know how to, uh, you know, I never really thought of how I would compare the two. Sure. But, uh, you know, it was never a thought of like, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, you don't care about being fucking home. You know what I mean? That's I, true. Yeah. I never got homesick, you know, if we were away for four or five days, but, uh, you know, when you get older and you're out for six weeks, you know, sometimes you're like, it would be nice to be home, but, uh, right. But yeah, I, 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 really enjoyed i just enjoy playing music so like you know if i go on a long tour or a or a weekend you know or just a one-off show it's like i'm ready i'm down for it you know yeah for sure with the uh you know the, the idea that uh, clearly uh, you know as you start to play shows and sell seven inches and sell shirts and stuff like that like you know clearly there's money coming in and you know the the, the business creeps in even though you're not like you know, viewing it as business, that's just like the fuel that keeps the band going or whatever. Um, you know, did that, uh, like, were you, I guess, comfortable with that aspect of the fact that, you know, like you were making a little money off this? I mean, when I say making a little money, it's like, yeah, you were, you know, filling up the gas tank and stuff like that. But, um, you know, how did the kind of, uh, I guess the commerce side of, uh, you know, the, the quote unquote music business as it were, uh, affect you or have an opinion on? I mean, in that era, it's like, any money that was made, you know, via t-shirts or, or, you know, a show or whatever, it was all just put right back into the band. Yeah. You know, like none, none of us ever like, you know, took a payment. You know what I mean? Even when we played shows, like if we made like, let's say with t-shirts and the show, you made five, 600 bucks, it just went back into the band to make the next record or 
you know, for gas or for, you know, I own the van, but like, you know, we would help, you know, make the van payments with that, you know, and, and if people needed to fix their gear or whatever, you know, it's like, we never really, we just kind of had like a band kitty that all that money would go into. And, you know what I mean? So it never, and it was never that much money to, to the point that, you know, we could, you know, pay ourselves really, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Besides like, Hey guys, let's, uh, let, let, let's, uh, you know, go to McDonald's for $15 or whatever. Yeah. 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 Buy pizza. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that was pretty much it, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, as you started to, you know, have the band, you know, winded down and everything like that, was there, uh, you know, I guess any uh, thought process on like, well, you know, clearly, you know, the band is not going to be my vehicle for making money and like the sort of life path started to kind of be like, well, what am I going to do? Was there any kind of wrestling around in your head? I mean, I know you just joked around earlier where it's like, I'm 49 and I still have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> but was there any kind of like, oh yeah, like maybe I'll do this, but obviously music is always going to be a part of my life and I'll try to do it as much as humanly possible. You know, it's funny, man. Uh, no, I've always, to this day, like I've always just had kind of punk rock jobs. Just like, I want the, I just need the mental space to create music. So I've, sure. I've always kind of just found something I don't, and I've, I've somehow I've made it this long, you know, without any like, you know, actual, career you know what i mean like i worked in record store for years worked in music venues for years you know I, selling music stuff on ebay you know what i mean like i've always just kind of found a way to uh you know to to get by sure without having you know without having some kind of corporate job or anything it's just like you know, I, listen, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just something like I see people do it, you know, and they make, you know, they make good money, but it's just, it's just not for me. Same, you know, I was talking about like high school and stuff. There's some things I'm just not cut out for. And that, that's one of them, you know, like chasing, like climbing some, you know, lat corporate ladder or something. Like I'm never going to be a guy to put on fucking khakis and, you know, and get it and get a, a proper haircut. And you know what I mean? Right. It's, just not, it's, you know what I mean? It's just not for me. And like, you know, I assume, you know, as I get older and you know, I'm old, you know, sometimes it gets a little scary, but you know, it is what it is, you know, like I'll, I'll figure it out as it comes, you know? Sure. Well, and I mean, I think there is that idea of <clears throat> structuring your life around, you know, music where it's like, okay, I'm going to take these quote unquote, you know, transitionary jobs or, and just be like, well, I, I want them because this is the fuel to my fire, you know? And it's like the, the part that is sad is when you see people that have that fuel and then they feel like they need to completely extinguish it in order to like, quote unquote, join the real world or whatever. It's right. like, that's, yeah, that, that, that sucks. Yeah. That's the point is yeah, and like, listen, that, that happens to most people that, that play music and it, it totally makes sense, but it's just never made sense to me. Like I, it scares the shit out of me to be honest, you know, like, like the thought of having to do, you know, like to just like give this up, you know, stop playing music, stop being creative just to go, you know, be a cog in a wheel somewhere. It's just not my thing. Like I, right. You know, so, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I, it's I, not part. Yeah. Not, not, not part of your plan. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's, um, 
you know, I mean, that is a uh, a view that has been instilled, you know, via the independent music scene that, you know, we're a part of. It's like that's, you have to follow your own path, whatever that may mean, whether that's like, oh, yes, I'm a straight edge vegan person or, you know, I am an atheist or I am not going to subscribe to corporate culture. It's like whatever is finding, you know, whatever whatever is giving you that life, like that's what you got to hold on to as long as humanly possible. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's like the, the passion to create is it's, it's real. It's not, it's just something that I have to do. So I do whatever I, whatever else I can do to facilitate doing music and creating because that's, you know, it's, it's like there's music in my head all the time. It's almost like a fucking sickness. But I'm constantly <laughs> thinking of music like songs. And so I have to get it out. It's like, it's, you know, it's, and it's also one of the only things I actually enjoy. So Right. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm a lifer. Uh, yeah, I, I dude, I, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't punish you about, uh, uh about Godspeed because, uh, I mean, I, I definitely know, I, I can't, I don't even recall if I, uh, purchased a swimmer's ear EP knowing that there was a connection to turning point at all. I just remember, um, hearing it and just being like, Oh God, I love this. And like, it was so, uh, and then retroactively, I think putting the pieces together be like, Oh, these are the guys from turning point or whatever. Um, like, I mean, Godspeed, like, I mean, you guys played what, like six shows? Like, it's like, I mean, yeah, if that, I mean, maybe 10 or 12, but not. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And the, the fact that, uh, anybody remembers it is, uh, you know, I'm sure surprising to you because you're just like, this is such a small blip. Um, but you know, what, what kind of, what do you reflect on with like when people bring up Godspeed to you? Is it just one of those things where it's like, wow, I'm so glad it, it lives on or, you know, what does that make you feel? No, I, I'm super glad it lives on. And I think the, the connection, you know, definitely is from, you know, it's like, oh, this is the band that Jay and Skit made after they broke up Turning Point, you know what I mean? So that, that, I think that hangs on to it. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as that band, it was just like you know, we we decided that nobody cared about Turning Point anymore. So you know, me and Skip were definitely not done making music together, and we just you know started writing. It's it's almost like that Godspeed stuff is kind of what Turning Point probably would have became if we stayed together, um, musically. You know, and right. As a guitar player, I was just advancing, and you know, to the point that I didn't want to just smash out power chords and stuff. And, uh, you know, just advancing my playing and songwriting and it was just a natural progression. It was like kind of just, it, it, it really just went from turning point and just flowed right into that, like without much thought, you know, between me and Skip. Yeah. And honestly, once I made that connection, you know, personally, it, it definitely felt like one of those things like, oh yeah, like this is easily what <laughs> turning point could have sounded like if you put out another thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's, like, yeah, it's basically the band, like, you know, turning point broke up and, you know, through the punk rock scene, there was like this other, you know, punk rock band called Misunderstood that we had played some shows with and became friends with their drummer. And their drummer was just like, you know, he was just like, I was, you know, our age, young dude, but he was just an amazing drummer. And when we turning point broke, I was like, me and Skip were like, we got to get this dude. Like, let's start another band and, you know, and get this guy on drums. You know, and sure enough, we asked him and he said, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, then the band was created, you know? Right. Yeah. No, that's cool. I, I always love that idea of like, when you 
you know, meet a person or see a person play. And then you're just like, we got to figure out something to work with this. Like we got to, we got to figure out how to make this happen. Yeah, I got to get, I got to get that dude in my band. Yeah. Like right. <laughs> totally. It's like, even though I just watched them play in a band, I got to figure out how to play with them. Yeah. I got I to steal this dude. <laughs> totally. Totally. And it, I mean, it happens so many times where it's like, and not nefariously, usually it's like, you know, you're whatever a 22 year old person. And you're just like, Oh, I just want to, I just want to be creative with this person. Yeah. Well, I think I ran into him in like a, you know, a mall parking lot one day, you know? Yeah. You know, we obviously knew each other. I was like, Hey, you know, me and Skipper looking to start this band. And, you know, if you'd be interested in playing drums and he's like, yeah, you know, I'll think about it, talk about it. And, you know, maybe a month or two later, you know, we started jamming together and that was that. That's so awesome. Um, I, I'm going to guess uh, this is uh, a total uh, silly yet. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just very curious myself because I always find like you were talking about, you know, when you record the turning point demo and like, you know, whatever at afternoon. And I, I'm sure the, uh, you know, the, the full length that turning point recorded, you guys probably, you know, uh, Mike Hartsfield probably gave you guys like a $2,000 to record it or something like that. Like, you know, what's the, what's the most that you had during that time to spend on a recording? A thousand. You're being way generous. I, I think it's <laughs> like 500 bucks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, seriously. Yeah. yeah. And, and plus I'm sure, I mean, most people still have that experience where like, you know, they go into a studio and, you know, the engineer, producer, whatever you want to call them, like has no context for hardcore or heavy music in any capacity. So like, they're just kind of like, wait, you're yelling? Like, what are you, what are you doing here? Yeah. Well, at the, the studio that we, you know, that we did the, uh, the full length that we had, you know, cut a couple of like, uh, comp tracks there, but I think, yeah, we were definitely the first, uh. Well, actually, we did the seven inch at this place in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and we showed up. And this guy had no idea what he was in for, as far as hardcore music. You know, he looked like he he was like a Bon Jovi fucking roadie. Yeah. <laughs> we all come in, you know, and we start playing, and this dude was just. I I think he just wanted to get us out as fast as he could. You know what I mean? That sounded great. <laughs> I mean, like next totally. Yeah, like like but but the guys that you know at YME, uh, Joe DeLuca and Dave Kloss that did. Uh, that did the full length and all the other stuff. They were just like the nicest guys. Like they didn't know what we were doing, but they fucking liked it. You know what I mean? Like they were, they were into the energy of it. And, uh, um, you know, they were just really super, super cool about it. Like, so that's why we ended up stick doing a lot. You know, I ended up working with those guys for years, you know, on a bunch of music and, uh, so it was cool, but yeah, our budget was five hundred bucks, man. <laughs> we, so good. You know, yeah, we had two thousand dollars. We could have made like you know, the car or the wall, like Pink Floyd. <laughs> right. You you guys could have knocked out. Yeah, yeah. Like for like four LPs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I just always love that because it's like anytime you look at uh, you know any of these these projects that like leave a legacy whether it's a full length or seven inch and like, if you attach it to a dollar amount it's just always like oh dude that's hilarious like or the time spent where it's like oh yeah we did it in you know a weekend yeah <laughs> it's like okay yeah yeah i remember darren from uh you know he posted a picture of like the invoice for like the first seven inches that he got pressed i think he got i don't know like a thousand of them and i forget the actual number but like the cost was like Three hundred fifty dollars. You know, what I mean, it was like what the cost of the record is like under a dollar. You know, it's like you know that's why you can sell seven inches for three bucks back then and make you know make a profit. Right. It was, you see that that old shit. It's like god damn. No. Yeah, <laughs> you're like that's a I yeah I understand inflation, but holy moly. Yeah, the past two records that I've put out, I've you know I've, I've 
paid for the pressing myself, you know, total DIY shit. And it's like, man, it don't cost that anymore. It's a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially doing this crazy colored vinyl. Holy moly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when did you kind of, you know, as you have, uh, you know, been clearly like you were talking about before, you know, active in music and still putting out, you know, a variety of projects of a variety of different sounds. Um, when did it kind of become apparent to you that, you know, there was this kind of like looming legacy of turning point, you know, and like the music that you have, have participated in, um, you know, was it, uh, like, I'm sure it didn't just like come like one day you woke up and all of a sudden like, Oh wow, I got some fan mail or something like that. But like, when did it, I guess, when did you kind of recognize that there was a resonance beyond what you kind of originally thought, uh, you know, the, the band's quote unquote legacy would be? Um, I think, well, you know, I was, I guess I was on tour one time with my band Linola and, uh, you know, I used to, I, you know, through my whole life with Skip, uh, we were best friends our whole, you know, until the day he passed and I'd at least speak to him or hang with him once a week when I was on the road, I'd, I'd talk to him, you know, at least once a week I'd call him up and one day he called me up and he was like, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about putting Turning Point back together, you know? and going to Europe because there's everybody's saying like we could go to Europe and make a bunch of money, not, not a bunch of money, but play good shows. And, you know, he was like really into it and I wasn't into it at the time, you know, and he was just asking if he had my blessing to go do it, you know, without me. And I was like, sure, man, if you want to do it, you know, like, cause I was really into the band that I was touring with and you know, just didn't have the time or even think about it. And what I, in part, I was like, I was like, really? Like you could go over there and people are going to give a shit. But I guess it was true, you know. And then, and when Darren, when Jade Tree came, approached us about putting out discography, I mean, I think that was like a much more personal thing for Darren because the first record he ever put out was the Turning Point Seven Inch, and then he turned it into a whole career, you know, mm-hmm. um, which was cool. But you know, so, but when they approached us about doing that, I was like, wow, I guess this does have some legs, you know what I mean? Like people actually kind of, kind of really care, um, you know. And so I knew it was something, and and people liked it, but. I guess it was 2016, really, when we played This Is Hardcore. I was like, oh, fuck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, I, 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 and I'm sure, like. Well, you know, meeting kids from all over the fucking world, you know what I mean? Like, coming up and, you know, hugging me and shaking my hand. Like, you know, kids from Russia and fucking, you know, like, that traveled 27 hours to come see us play for 30 minutes, you know what I mean? And just, right. Like, wow, you know what, this is, I guess this really, you know, really stuck with some people. So it was, like, super cool. Yeah, yeah. And it does make sense that you would, you know, see it so viscerally, you know, in the idea of playing a show because it's like the 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 fact that, you know, people invested, like you said, so much time and effort and money into, you know, getting there and then understanding that it's like, oh, yes, like this, you know, like it, it can be this one song <laughs> that yeah. just all like will speak to you and will carry you through your life. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's the um, cool thing about that's that's the best thing about music, you know. Yeah, totally. And plus too, like the idea that uh, you know, once you put your art out in the world, whatever that may mean, it's clearly not yours anymore. It's everybody else's, and you don't know what that will manifest into. Yeah, absolutely. And and for anybody that plays music or you know that gets serious about it, even in like the, the a little bit, you know, the dream is to create something. A, a song, a record, and whatever that like leaves a little something behind. You know what I mean? So that that you know leaves some some kind of like little legacy or or you know or so when you're gone, people still remember you. Like you're not just this kind of blip that disappears. And and uh, 
I feel, you know, I feel really lucky that that's happened on, you know, in a couple of my bands that, you know, made some stuff that enough people care about, you know, that'll live on, you know? And, uh, yeah. You know, Turning point is definitely, definitely one of them for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you've kind of answered this question uh, previously, but you know, uh, with all of your, you know, musical projects and like, because you've done such a wide variety of things, you know, from, you know, synth indie rock to, you know, obviously the thrash metal stuff you're doing right now with, uh, with honey, um, you know, why, I know you feel a compulsion to create and like, you, like you said, you're, you build your life around that. Um, but why do you still care in regards to, um, like, you know, consuming new music and stuff like that? Because, you know, people can still like, I guess, kind of like care and, but be stuck in like either their era or be like, oh yeah, like I stopped listening to new music after 2005 or something like that, you know, but you are still so, uh, you know, active and you pay attention to it and, you know, you, you seemingly care about it. Uh, what, I guess, where does, where does that compulsion come from besides, you know, I guess what you were originally talking about of just being like, well, I'm going to do this regardless. Well, I think just like, like this drive that I have to create music keeps me interested in music. You know, like I want to hear what's going on. I want to hear what people are doing now, you know, like, and, you know, and hopefully have that influence me, you know, as much as the stuff, you know, that I loved in the past. And like the idea of like just being stuck in one era of, you know, music, like, I don't know how people do it, you know, that only listen to, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, hardcore. I, I love that shit, but I couldn't, you know, if I, that's all I could listen to, I go crazy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it. I just, I just want to hear what's happening. And I, I love discovering new music. It's, you know, it's how I ended up, well, you know, I ended up working in the music venue doing, you know, lighting for, for live shows for, you know, until this pandemic hit, that's what I was doing. Sure. And yeah, it was cool. It's like, you know, I, I will say a lot of times it's fucking, I hated it. Cause you know, it's just, a lot of bands suck, you know, are not what I'm into. But every once in a while, right. like, some band would come I'd never fucking heard of and like just blow me away. And it was just like, you know, still like being, a, you know, sometimes it's like being a kid, like when you first went to your first shows, you know, just like, wow, this is really cool. So, you know, I still get that same feeling, you know, when I discover new music, you know, it makes me feel young again, you know? Yeah. So I get the goal. No, it's awesome. I, I, I like that you describing that feeling because I, I think that does like, it, it, the moment that you kind of remove yourself from it, you remove the chance of you getting that feeling, you know, that feeling of finding the new thing. And that's, you know, of course, like as you get older, like you're talking about, like because you've been exposed to so much music, it's, uh, you know, it, that feeling may be less and less as when you were 15 and everything was new, you know, but yeah, if you remove yourself, you're never going to feel it. Well, that's the funny thing. I mean, I like I'm in the middle of recording a new record with my band, Honey, right now. Sure. Or, we're like three weeks into this recording, which is crazy to think like, we, you know, I used to make records in two days. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. You're like three weeks, dude. This yeah. is like way too long. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, this will be like a five, six week endeavor. But, uh, anyway, it's like, you know, this, the, the COVID thing hit and, you know, everything was kind of going good for me, you know, until that happened. And it's like lockdown happened, you know, and you, obviously you go into like a dark, you know, get depressed and I can't play music. I can't see my, my bandmates, you know, I can't do anything. My job's pretty much gone. Right. But like, you know, somehow like during this COVID is like, you know, when we turning point signed the stuff with revelation, which is cool, like super fucking cool. And I signed a record deal for honey, like with a small label called hell minded out of New Jersey, you know? And I was like, wow, this is pretty fucking cool. And, and 
we started making the record and the first night I was in the studio with my bandmates, uh, working on, you know, just, you know, scratch guitar for drums. And this thing came over me. I was like, I, it was like the first time I felt fucking pure happiness since COVID hit. I didn't realize Mm it, but it was like, like, wow, like, what is this feeling? You know, like I was like, oh, like, like everything <laughs> yeah. in a way. It's like I fucking felt pure joy again, like happiness, and like that's what music gives to me. So, yeah, like that's no, that's that's why I keep chasing it. That's beautiful, man. I really, I, I love to hear that because it definitely is like when you get in that, you know, it's that like whatever what athletes say, like when you're in that quote unquote zone. It's like that's the you know that's the feeling, man, and yeah. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, it's a wild thing that happens, you know, for me anyway, it's like, you know, I'm not like a depressed, you know, I'm not like a mopey depressed kind of dude, but you know, shit happens and you get, you know, you get into, you know, you get depressed in dark, dark spots, but like, it's always been, you know, writing a song or playing a guitar that gets me out of it. So that's what. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the last thing I want to hit on was the, um, you know, balancing the feeling, uh, and this is a difficult thing, you know, as, uh, you know, bands get kind of, uh, you know, like you were talking about where the, once you put the art in the, out in the world, you know, people kind of take it and obviously do what they want with it and, you know, say that this band was overrated, this band was underrated, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, how do you personally kind of balance the feeling of kind of, you know, nostalgia of like, oh man, like those were the days, like, you know, like, it, that that is an important part of life, obviously, and being proud of what you've done, but then not being like overly nostalgic to where you know it kind of cripples. I mean, it, it's not necessarily for you because you are you know still being very very creative and being prolific in your music world. But um, I'm sure you've witnessed you know other people that get kind of trapped into that you know feeling of nostalgia and not ever like I guess moving past that. Yeah, I mean, I mean the nostalgia thing is great and. It- yeah, I will say I, I I enjoy it, you know, like looking back on all, all of it. But like for me, like the weird thing with, with Turning Point is that, you know, it's like we lost Skip in 2002, you know, my best friend, you know, it's like, so we made this music yep. together, but he wasn't just a singer of my band. He was like a brother. So for me, it's like he passed and people lose their friends all the time. You know, it's not like this like uncommon thing. But I have this like beautiful thing that like I can hear him anytime I want, you know, like I can put on a record and there he is and like the pictures and, and all that kind of stuff. So like for me, it's like, yeah, it is nostalgia, but it's also, it helps me remember him and keep his, you know, his life alive, you know, or his, his memory. So like, you know, it's a little bit more nostalgia for me. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a really, um, I mean, especially, yeah, with Turning Point because of... You think like there's people have, you know, their best buddy, you know, lifelong best friend passes away, but they didn't, you know, they didn't create anything together, which is totally, you know, it's just life. But I, I was, you know, somehow lucky enough that we did all this shit together, you know, that I can look back and see and hear and all these other people appreciate it. So it's just, you know, like, yeah, it's definitely nostalgia, but for me, it's like a little bit more than that. No, that's really like, I, I still, I'm still creating, you know, I'm still doing stuff. It's like, I'm not like sitting back like, well, yep, I did this one band that people like, and you know, that's all I did. It's like, right. I, you know, I'm still doing it, you know? Yeah. And I know, I think there's only been six that's... months in my whole life since I started, since I joined my first band. I was thinking about this the other day. There's only been six months that I have not been in a band since I was like, and like from like, I guess like eighth or ninth grade till now I'm 49 years old. So. 
Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I, I appreciate your articulating that because I, I do think that, you know, it's a really important piece to a uh, turning point where it's like, it's not only is this, you know, really crystallized uh, experience, uh, you know, important musically and important in a lot of different ways, but then, you know, mostly for you, just being like, yeah, this is keeping my friend's legacy alive. Like this is, this is what he was proud of and this is what I am proud of and I want this to live on and not in the like, oh yeah, we're, we're trapped in time sort of scenario. Yeah, that's why, you know, this revelation thing is like just you know for me it's like super fucking cool because like you know now it's like in the perfect home where it should you know where we wanted to be when we were kids uh or dreamed it to be but you know like land in the perfect place and it's going to help you know help keep what he did alive and available to kids like you know for years and years to come so yeah no it's beautiful yeah really well, Jay, thank you so much, dude. I honestly really appreciate you going all the, all all over the place with me. But uh, yeah, thank you, uh, thank you for what you do, man. Yeah, thanks for asking me. There we go. That was Jay, and thank you very much for the time, Jay. I really do appreciate it. I just hit him up on Instagram. You know, the beautiful connective tissue that is Instagram, and we were able to uh, schedule this chat, and it was it was great. So, like I said, Turning Points reissuing all of their stuff on Revelation Records. So uh, go to revhq.com. If is that even a site? I, I can't I can't remember if they changed their URL or not, but just Google Revelation Records, and you'll be able to find it very easily. Next week is the week that many of you have reached out to me to say, hey, is this coming this year? It is the best of 2020 with my good friends, Jeremy Bohm and Joey Cahill of Touche Amore and 6131 Records, respectively. We've been doing this for years and years and years, and it's so much fun. I, I can't wait to bring it to you. That's what we got next week. So strap in, because it's like a, I mean, I don't know, over two-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And even like our significant others were like, who listens to you guys talk to talk about music for over two hours? And I'm like, well, I, a lot of people. <laughs> so anyways, that's what we got next week. Until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.